Coming up on the exam room. The advanced glycation end products or the AGEs are really aging us. These are the compounds that react to sugar or fat. And the AGEs increase oxidative stress and chronic inflammation. So what would happen if we just completely skipped all the meat and all the animal products? We conducted a study where we recruited 84 postmenopausal women and the results were just incredible. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us coast to coast in the U.S. and in more than 150 countries. Hi to everyone listening in Ellicott City, Maryland, Great Falls, Montana, and Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Wherever you are, we appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 49 of season 6, number 445 overall. And today we are zeroing in on a compound that is double trouble. It affects both aging and hot flashes. And aging actually being really appropriate because we today are going to be talking about advanced glycation end products, better known as ages. Now, we've talked about them here on the show a little bit before, but we have some new science to share from our incredibly talented nutrition researcher, Dr. Hanna Kaliova. And now, speaking specifically about hot flashes, 80% of women will experience them while going through menopause. So the question is, how much of that is tied to diet? And how much control do you have when it comes to these unwanted menopausal symptoms altogether? Well, Dr. Kaliova's new study looks right at that. She is the lead author on it. And so today we're going to be delving into the study. And we're also going to be talking about the foods that you may want to avoid to keep those hot flashes at bay and to age healthfully. And also today, we are going to be dipping into the exam room archives to revisit a conversation with a woman by the name of Anne Friday. And Anne is a former police officer who felt like a prisoner in her heavy uniform. She felt trapped. She felt trapped when her hot flashes would strike and she would roast in sweltering heat that just could not escape, not just from the clothes that she was wearing, but the thick bulletproof vest that she had on as well. And so that would strike while she was on duty, but then no rest for the weary here, because even when she was off duty, she couldn't find much relief either. As a matter of fact, she would lose sleep at night because her hot flashes flared up so bad they would wake her up from a sound sleep. And so when you put all of that together, uncomfortable during the day, miserable at night, there's just not a lot of hope to be had. And Anne, as a matter of fact, felt like she had tried everything until finally she found a way to flip on life's natural air conditioner. And essentially what she did was cool off. 
and calm the hot flashes by making one big change in her life. One big change. And we're going to be getting into what that change was and how you too may be able to reap the same benefits when we do that flashback with Anne in just a little bit. But first, Dr. Hana Kaliova and brand new research on hot flashes, aging, and AGEs. It all starts right now on The Exam Room. Thanks for being here, Doc. Thanks for having me, Chuck. Number one, before we get into the actual study, can you define for us what an AGE is in here other than just age? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, as the name uh, is kind of suggesting age, A-G-E, like age, it's exactly right. The AGEs or the advanced glycation end products are responsible for our aging. So if you're aging too quickly, there is a chance that you have too many of these AGEs. Uh, we will be talking about this paper that, that has been published in the journal Maturitas, which is the official journal of the Europe, European uh, Society uh, for Menopause. And uh, the advanced glycation end products or the AGEs are really aging us. Uh, these are the compounds that react to sugar or fat. So if, if your diet is high in sugar or fat, then the proteins will be changed in their structure and will produce the advanced glycation end products or the AGEs. And the AGEs increase oxidative stress, uh, and chronic inflammation, they lead to injury in our tissues, and they increase the risk of developing cancer, metabolic disease such as diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and kidney disease, and liver disease, and Alzheimer's disease as well, and autoimmune diseases. So, like, you want to be healthy, then it's important to keep your AGEs low. Now, how can we do that? Some AGEs are being formed during metabolism, uh, but some of the AGEs are ingested through foods. Uh, which foods are high in AGEs? Uh, it's the meats and the cheese and uh, some of the processed foods such as refined grains, and some high sugar uh, processed foods as well. The dietary AGEs that we ingest in the diet have been associated with weight gain, with increasing visceral fat around the inner organs, and also with insulin resistance, which are the underlying causes of diabetes. Now, when people talk about the AGEs, Usually, they just focus on all the processed foods. Oh, yeah, we know processed foods are horrible for you. Like, I mean, uh, once you fry foods, they will be higher in AGEs than if you boil them, for example. Uh, but that's only part of the equation. 
another part of the equation is actually which foods you pick. Uh, so let's start with the preparation. Uh, let's say if you are able, able to eat raw chicken, then the content of the AGEs would be in the hundreds of kilo units. Uh, but if you start using heat, if you mark, microwave the chicken or if you grill the chicken, then we're in the thousands. Now, what about plant foods? What about if you have boiled potatoes together uh, with your grilled chicken? How much will the potatoes be responsible for? It turns out that the plant foods are super low in AGEs. Look at that. Boiled potatoes, 250 times lower AGE content compared with grilled chicken. And apple, more than 300 times lower content of AGEs. So what would happen if we just completely skipped all the meat and all the animal products? What if we consumed a fully vegan diet? What would happen then? We conducted a study where we recruited 84 postmenopausal women, and half of them uh, started following a low-fat vegan diet that consisted of fruits and vegetables and whole grains and legumes. And the diet also included half a cup of cooked soybeans every day. The other half of women stayed on their usual diet for 12 weeks. And the results were just incredible. Severe hot flashes were reduced by 92% on the low-fat vegan diet that included soybeans. When we look at moderate to severe hot flashes, these were reduced by 88%. Now, what happened with the dietary AGEs in these women? The dietary AGEs were reduced by 73% without changing the way of cooking. So in other words, these women just excluded all the animal products and were keeping the fat content low, but they were still able to toast their bread, for example. Uh, some, of the, some of the foods um, that were the favorites of these women were roasted soybeans. So they needed to consume half a cup of cooked soybeans every day. And, you know, you, you need to get creative how you consume the soybeans. So one of the treats that these women liked was just uh, having the, the cooked soybeans and roasting them in the oven together with some spices. And uh, so they were still able to uh, you know, apply heat to their foods and cook and, and bake. And still, the, the dietary AGEs were reduced by 73%. Now, where did these 73% come from? Where, where did this 73% reduction come from? Number one was white meat. 44% reduction in, in total AGEs by just stopping uh, the white meat. Avoiding dairy was responsible for a 24% reduction in total AGEs. Now, uh, the 
the reduction in dietary AGEs was also associated with uh, the reduction in severe hot flashes and also in moderate to severe hot flashes. Now, the severe hot flashes are the ones that wake you up at night. Uh, you know, if you're in a meeting, all of a sudden you just feel so hot, you're not able to concentrate on anything else. It's the severe hot flashes that really influence the quality of life. So how much uh, would you have to reduce your dietary AGEs to get rid of one severe hot flash per day? The answer is, if you cut out your beef steak, then uh, you will get rid of one severe hot flash a day. What about moderate to severe hot flashes? In order to, to reduce uh, one moderate to severe hot flash a day or to get rid of it, you just need to stop eating your grilled chicken. So if you cut out three ounces of grilled chicken every day, then you just got rid of moderate one moderate to severe hot flash a day. So is this kind of investment worth it for you? I would say anyone who's experienced a severe hot flash that wakes you up at night or that limits your ability to participate in, in social life, I think everyone will agree that it's definitely worth exploring. So uh, to, to summarize the findings, the dietary AGEs significantly were significantly reduced on a plant-based diet by 73%. And there was a clear association. The reduction in the dietary AGEs was also associated with um, the reduction in frequency of severe and moderate hot flashes. All right. Lots to unpack there. I find it really interesting, Dr. Kaliova, that even with the cooking process, the vegetables did not reach nearly the same level of AGEs as the meat. So I'm wondering, is it the animal protein that's really causing this AGE spike among the meat or what's the big difference there? It's partly the animal protein, uh, but it's the combination of fat uh, and protein and carbohydrates. They're, they're, they're a mixture. mixture. Uh, one, you know, there's also difference between the animal products. For example, the red meats are higher in AGEs and the processed meats are higher in, in AGEs than white meats. And yet... People in our study benefited from cutting out the white meat the most. Why is that? Uh, well, it's because people in general eat much more of white meat compared with red meat. Uh, people are aware of the health risks of processed and red meat. So they tend to eat more white meat as a healthier option. So cutting out white meat from the diet resulted in, uh, you know, the most reduction in dietary AGEs in our study.
All right. And for the purposes of the conversation today, I know that this can be a little bit nuanced and everybody's kind of got a different opinion on what is a white or a red meat. But in terms of how you all categorize this for this particular study, what fell into the red meat category and what fell into the white meat category? Yeah, that's a great question. In the white meat category, we included fish and chicken, uh, but we also included pork and veal and lamb. Uh, so these three are kind of in the gray zone. Uh, you can include in, them either in, in white or red meat, um, but we included them in, in white meat. And let's go to dairy as well here. That plays a role as well. Um, comparing dairy and the level of AGEs to what it is that we just learned here about uh, white meat, red meat, processed meat, how does that stack up? Uh, dairy tends to be a little bit lower on the AGEs compared with meat, but still, given the amount of <laughs> dairy products that people consume, it's a significant cont contributor to the dietary AGEs. Yeah, you know what? You talk about the specific amount of dairy that people consume. I literally just pulled this up for another show that I was recording earlier today. And would you believe that in February, just this past February, a few months ago, um, 3.4 billion pounds, 3.4 billion wow. pounds in February alone of fluid milk was shipped out around this country, the U.S., 3.4 billion pounds in one month. That is a lot of dairy. That's just fluid milk. Yes. That doesn't count the cheese or the ice cream or yogurt or anything like that. That is just fluid milk. That is a lot of dairy. Um, and, and do you think that, you know, a woman who is going through menopause then would be wise to put down that glass of milk, leave the cheese behind and just opt for a plant-based diet. And she might find some relief based off of your findings. Absolutely. And the thing is, it's so easy to replace dairy with, with plant-based options nowadays. And for extra benefits, uh, you can replace dairy milk with soy milk to get some phytoestrogens that will help you uh, in dealing with your hot flashes as well. And this makes me wonder about the previous research um, that we have done at the Physicians Committee on hot flashes and plant-based diets, specifically the benefit that soy can provide. Um, you mentioned that during your presentation. And by the way, if you're listening to this, hop over to the Physicians Committee's YouTube channel or Facebook page to watch the presentation. We've included links to both right now in the episode notes. But Dr. Kaliova, I'm curious, thinking back to those previous studies, was the bigger benefit coming from the soy or the fact that because the meat had been cut out of their diet, they weren't getting this massive load of AGEs? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it's a combination of both, uh, both cutting out the unhealthy animal products and consuming more of the beneficial plant products. Uh, you know, both of them are helpful. Uh, which one is it more? Uh, according to our findings, uh, cutting out the junk helped these women even more than including more of the healthy foods. Uh, but yeah, again, both of them are important. I think uh, one of our colleagues, uh, dietitian Steph McBurnett, uses the term crowd out which is you crowd out the junk food with healthier food, right? So you're not even hungry for that junk food anyway. 
Um, and she she said that with her own family, they found great success going that route. So it's it's just amazing. And I feel like the more research that gets talked about, the more we learn, the more we're able to put the pieces of such an intricate puzzle together. I feel like when it comes to human health and nutrition, we are talking about literally a billion piece jigsaw puzzle, and we're still putting all the pieces together. But day by day, week by week, year by year, we learn more and more and more. And certainly the research that you were just telling us about here today fills in at least one or two of those missing pieces. So um, Dr. Kaliova, thank you as always. I feel like this is, you know, every time you're on, we learn something. Always talk about raising the health IQs and you perhaps raise it more than most. <laughs> thank you so much, Chuck. It's your friend, Rip Esselstyn. Come get Plan Strong with me on July 12th in New York City. I'll be helping to celebrate an incredible 14 million downloads of the Exam Room podcast with the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. My doctor friends, Neil Barnard and Robert Osfeld will also be there to make a toast to the most heart healthy night of your life. Lower blood pressure, lower cholesterol, lower the risk of heart disease or even reversing it. Plus foods and tips that will help get you to chart a new course to a healthier future. But to get there, you have to be there in New York City, the Big Apple. Don't wait, get your tickets today, and I'll see you on July 12th. Congratulations, Chuck, and now let's all get Plan Strong together. Rip Esselstyn, love that guy. Cannot wait to catch up with him on July 12th. Tickets are on sale now. Just head over to pcrm.org slash events to lock yours in or click that link that is in the episode notes. Hope to have also one more special guest to announce very soon, but don't wait for that announcement to lock in your tickets. Get them right now. And Dr. Osfeld, Robert Osfeld, will also be on the exam room live this week, coming up on Wednesday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Physicians Committee's YouTube channel and Facebook page. Join us then for a live conversation, a primer on heart health. And we have a lot to talk about. We're going to be getting into salt and fat and which is the bigger enemy of your heart. Is it possible to say one is worse than the other? Well, we are going to get the lowdown from one of the most respected cardiologists in the nation when Dr. Osfeld joins me on Wednesday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on the exam room live. And I've been thinking a lot about heart health recently and the fact that 80% of heart disease cases can be prevented. 80% it just sticks out to me like a sore thumb, especially considering almost 700,000 people will die from heart disease this year. And if 80% of those cases can be prevented, you're talking about saving 560,000 lives. And I'm telling you this, if there is one goal that we have for the night of July 12th, just one goal, it is to give you all of the information that you need to be on the healthy side of history so that you can write a phenomenal chapter on longevity in your own personal autobiography that is your life. 
So really looking forward to learning how to take our heart health to the next level on July 12th in New York at the Museum of the City of New York. And we hope to see you there as well. Get your tickets today and hurry, by the way, because the savings that we have locked in for early ticket sales, well, that is quickly going away. Just one more week left. Ticket prices go up on June 12th. So act now to save. PCRM.org slash events. Lock in your ticket for July 12th for the most heart-healthy night of your life as we present the exam room live and in person in New York. Okay, let's turn our attention back now to our topic for today's particular episode, and that is hot flashes. We just heard that incredible information from Dr. Kaliova, that new research on hot flashes and advanced glycation end products, ages. Well, now we are going to hear the incredible story of a woman who was living in heated misery. A former police officer, already sweltering from all of the heavy gear she had to wear, but the hot flashes just cranked the heat up to an insane level. It was unbearable. Unbearable. And even when she was off duty, she found it hard to sleep. She found it hard to get comfortable because the hot flashes were relentless. They would not stop. No matter what she tried, until finally, she found one big change that made all the difference in the world and relief was finally hers. So what was that change? Well, let's find out right now as we dip into the exam room archives and an unforgettable flashback with this conversation with Ann Friday. Ann, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's a delight to be here. Let's talk about food. Growing up in the South, I remember for me it was a lot of fried food and high-fat food, and there you are in Arkansas with some New Orleans roots to you. What was your diet like growing up? Well, back in, we're talking 40s and 50s now, 1940s and 50s, the four food groups were the Bible of any good homemaker mother's regimen for her family, so... You had to have vegetables and meat, dairy, uh, bread, and my mother strictly adhered to that. So you, you said that vegetables were actually part of the, the four food groups there for you, so that, that to me is a little bit surprising. What kind of vegetables are you talking about? Well, they did have a bit of fat associated with them, like mashed potatoes, fried okra, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, every once in a while, we'd have green peas, but they had to have salt and butter on them. Of course. But uh, <laughs> it was pota meat and potatoes, really, for a, a meal. <laughs> and back then, you know, it was considered to be very healthy. You you were also, for work, you were doing some really physical labor there. You were working for a phone company, is that right? Yes. In uh, 1974, they were looking for women to fill formerly non-traditional jobs, and so I saw an advertisement in the newspaper at AT&T or Southwestern Bell Telephone looking for women to work in their plant construction, 
And I thought, well, it'd be great for me to be outdoors. That's really where I love to be. And I was a pretty strong person, so I applied. I thought I would get a telephone installer job, but instead they offered me a lineman's job. And I thought, oh, wow, I have to climb all these poles, pull these heavy cables up, operate these big construction trucks. I never even thought about doing that. And certainly back then, women couldn't do that. I mean, it was unproven that women could actually do almost all the things that men do, sometimes a bit differently, but they still, you know, accomplished them and got a good result. And it turned out I not only could do it, I loved doing it. And I stayed, even turned down an early promotion to continue doing it for about three years. Did they try to take it easy on you at all because you were a woman, or were you just kind of thrown right into the fire? Oh, they put me with uh, two very nice burly men and on a truck and sent me out. And the men made it clear that they were okay with the women as long as they could pull their weight. And so that was my goal, and I was able to do that surprising both me and them. Well, that's such a a macho kind of a profession, I think, even to this day. And I'm thinking back to an interview I did recently uh, with a woman by the name of Catherine Lawrence Ireland, who was also featured in Your Body and Balance. And she was a member of the Air Force. And she was telling me that in terms of her diet, she felt like she needed to eat exactly what it was that the guys were eating, maybe just in an effort to kind of fit in. So she was eating double cheeseburgers and Cokes for breakfast. Was it kind of similar for you that you were just eating whatever the guys ate? Well, yes. Lunch was a stop at often McDonald's. And so, you know, I wasn't diet conscious myself back then. I was still under the four food group regimen. <laughs> and I, I can relate to what she says about fitting in because I once or twice smoked a cigar with the guys. It kind of made me turn green, and I didn't do that anymore. But <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, there was there was pressure to be one of the boys, fit in, and you know, not stand out or be too different and pull your weight. Outside of that, you were also in uh, maybe. Do I want to call it bodybuilding or fitness competitions? What were you doing at that point as well? Well, in uh, 1978, that would be four years after I became the lineman, uh, I started running marathons. And then a couple of years later, I had a teenage daughter, and she started working out. And she said, oh, Mom, a couple of my friends and I are entering this Miss Arkansas bodybuilding pageant, and she knew I was going to the gym, and that was primarily to be able to keep climbing the telephone poles. And uh, she said, you should uh, compete with us. Well, I had secretly always wanted to do a competition. (laughs) And so I said, okay, I'll do that. And now then I really had to start watching my diet. And... uh, There wasn't a lot of information way back then as to how to diet, uh, except in men's bodybuilding. You know, a couple of the really big men's bodybuilders had written books and did posing and diet suggestions, 
And so that's what I turned to. And I competed with my daughter and about four of her young friends. They were all under 20, I think. And I won. (laughs) Look at you go. And she hasn't forgiven me yet. (laughs) (laughs) You decide at some point when you, I guess, had had enough of that life, you, you made another heck of a career decision. What did you do next? At first, I applied at a corrections officer position, and I was able to pass all the physical fitness, and they offered me a job, and I took it, and I stayed in there for a year, and the police officers would bring in the suspects to me and hand them off and say, well, I'm out of here. You can't leave. (laughs) And I thought, boy... He's got the job I want. So I applied to be a police officer, and then my background in the corrections was very helpful, and I got a job at the local police office. I was in Oregon at this time. And so I I worked the street for nine years, and then I was promoted to a detective and did that for five years. Let's do a diet check. At this point in your life, had you changed your relationship with food or was it still pretty much those same four food groups that you had been talking about? Well, Chuck, it actually got worse. Uh Uh-oh. All day out on the police beat, high-stress job, usually very active, going from call to call. When I got home and just you know, unable to really eat a very good meal at lunch. When I would get home, I was so stressed, so tired. I went to my favorite junk food, which was cheese dip and chips. And I I knew it wasn't good. I mean, it was canned cheese dip and, you know, just regular old chips. The kind that you could get in a 7-Eleven even? Oh, yes. <laughs> so that I, I even while I knew I shouldn't be doing it, I did it for a very long time, and that's interestingly, you know, when my problems started with my health, and I, we had talked about, you know, starting to have hot flashes. I was in my early fifties at that time, and I got to think now, from looking back at what I know now, that the cheese dip and chips was a contributor to that. Let's talk about that, because that's a big part of why you're, you're featured in this book, is when you started to have those hot flashes, they were, they were quite severe, weren't they? They were, uh, especially sitting in a police vehicle, bulletproof vest, uniform, you know, is the, one of nice fabric that would breathe. It, but it got, they, when I would have a hot flash, it was very uncomfortable. Hmm. And couldn't just jump out of the car and fan myself or something. I mean, there was air conditioning, but, you know, you get that heat trapped under that thick vest, and it's pretty uncomfortable. And then at night, I would, you know, start having them and wake up. And so police officer needs to be rested for the work the next day, and it was interfering with that, too. Um, just for the guys who are listening, who will never go through um, a hot flash, we see, we heard what you, you described it as, and, and we see these dramatic portrayals of them on TV. Um, 
in your own words, I mean, can you describe maybe what it's like? Is it like sitting out in the sun and you, and you can't get into any sort of shade? Or is it like you just feel like you have this fever that you, you can't kick? What is that like? Well, it's, a, it's unique in the sense that it just starts kind of creeping up. I'm sure some are faster than others. But with me, it brought a moistness to my skin. And the heat would increase in intensity. And then almost as bad as once the heat subsided, I would experience chills because of the moisture, you know, that was on me. And Mm. so it was a two-part process, really, for me, the gradual increasing of the heat and the dampness, and then as it subsided, the chill set in. It's very much like a chill and fever when you're sick. It's very unpredictable. I mean, I never knew when it would occur. And I've, I've my friend, women friends, you know, I've observed them with the same predicament. And it's a little hard if it's a severe one, you know, and you're out in a social setting. Some women find it difficult to ignore, and they'll start pulling at their clothes, shirt collars, and fanning and a few of them will admit it's a hot flash. Many of them won't. <laughs> <laughs> so as you're, you're losing sleep here uh, in the night, how often would that happen? Were you waking up every night? Well, just about at the worst time, yes. And then uh, somehow I, I read something that talked, I guess I probably did a little research on why I'm having these because I you know, wanted to fix them. And I discovered that there was some research that showed that if you took soy, which contained plant estrogens, that they would replace the chemical estrogens in your cells. And the plant estrogens were not only healthier for you, but could reduce these menopause symptoms. And thinking about my cheese dip and chips, that's probably where a lot of chemicals were coming from. So I did go and buy soy milk and soy protein powder, and I tried it. And every morning I'd fix up a big glass that became my breakfast. And within two or three weeks, the hot flashes diminished, and I really quit having them much at all unless I would forget to take the drink, or I thought, well, I don't need to take the drink anymore. But in a few days to a week, they would return. And so then I would get back on them every morning, and the hot flashes went away. And I said, we're on to something here. This has got to be working. And because you were you were losing sleep, though, before you, you found the, the soy drink there, but were you a little bit more moody, a little bit irritable. I know that that can happen to the best of us if we're not getting, you know, a quality sleep at night. I would probably think a few of my friends might agree with that comment. (laughs) (laughs) I was a little grouchier. Your journey really doesn't end there. So you, you find these soy drinks, but eventually you start taking a closer look at your diet again, right? Yes. Well, in uh, 2003, I received a an item in the mail from the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, and it had a story about Rodney 
a dog that had been a research animal, and it really struck a chord in me. I didn't realize at the time that PCRM was also into diet and, and lifestyle changes, but I joined, and uh, over the next few years, I started learning more and more through the publications from PCRM as to how a plant-based diet was much healthier, and uh, I'd always thought I could be a vegetarian. I thought veganism was a bit beyond where I could go, primarily because I didn't know how to cook food that way. <laughs> Growing and, up in the South, I'm not surprised. So I would uh, I would start cutting way back. You know, I gave up the chips and cheese dip. I did make a lot of lifestyle changes or diet changes based on the information I was getting from PCRM. And you also had a, a secret weapon in your family. Your daughter was vegetarian, right? I think my daughter was born a vegetarian. <laughs> she's bragged that she's never eaten an egg. Of course, they appeared on her plate at home, and she re just absolutely refused. <laughs> she wouldn't eat meat. She's a real animal lover, and that's what motivated her, plus very picky dietary taste. I'm sure she was a, a help as far as being a resource while you were making that change yourself, right? Well, I always thought of her, and, you know, and I would talk to her as to why she wanted that sort of a diet, and yeah, she actually inspired me. And then, you know, I, I met my husband at uh, back in 2000. He was a retired uh, Marine after 20 years, and so he asked me out to dinner and took me to a nice restaurant. And I, when they set his plate in front of him, I'm sure my eyes got wide because it was the largest cut of prime rib, rare, swimming in a pool of red liquid. And I said, are you going to eat all that? And he said, just watch. And so he consumed it all, including the fat. And uh, today, you wouldn't believe that he asked for Kickstarter menus. He loves the uh, barbecue portobellos. He loves portobello burgers. And we've both become big fans of Dr. Bernard. And uh, we'll sit at a lunch table. We're both retired now, so I do have more time to cook. And uh, mm -hmm. his name's Larry. He says, oh, Dr. Bernard would approve of this meal. <laughs> sometimes he'll say, mm, Dr. Bernard might not like this. <laughs> it's kind of fun to have Dr. Bernard as our parent watching over us and guiding oh, that's us. So funny. <laughs> if it's okay, I'd definitely like to stay in touch with uh, you and Larry. Keep tabs on you guys and let me know how you guys are doing. Well, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, Chuck. And story, of course, featured in Dr. Barnard's book, Your Body in Balance. And there's a link to pick up your copy right now in the episode notes. And what a story it is. Holy cow. Holy cow. I mean, can you imagine? I would think that that's kind of like what Anne was going through would be 
going into your coat closet and then bringing a space heater inside of the coat closet with you and then shutting the door and turning the heater all the way up as far as it could go and then just sitting there unable to escape. I mean, can you imagine how uncomfortable that would be, especially on an already hot summer's day? I mean, you've got to be kidding me right now. I cannot even imagine. I cannot even imagine. My goodness. So I'm really glad that she was able to get some relief there. And you really should pick up a copy of Dr. Barnard's book, Your Body in Balance, if you don't already have one on your bookshelf at home. I've dropped a link for you to do that right now in the episode notes and story, of course, featured in there. But there's so much great information about the connection between diet and hormones in there. I mean, you're talking about cover to cover page turner, just chock full of information that can help you out. That is really a book that you definitely need to read. So Your Body in Balance, Click that link in the episode notes. Also in the episode notes is a link to give the show a follow and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever it is that you get your shows, because it is with the new subscriptions and five-star ratings and nice, kind reviews that we are able to continue to get this information out to people who need it who are in desperate need of help like Anne, and they don't know where else to turn. And then suddenly they're flipping through their podcast, looking for that answer. And then as they're clicking around those new follows, those new subscriptions, make it easier for the exam room to pop up right in front of them so that they too can go on and help to make the world a healthier place as they improve their own health. So it's super important that you give the show the follow and the five-star rating, and we do appreciate your help with that. Also, while you're clicking around in there, check this out. I mean, we've got so much great information in there. Recent interviews with Dr. Neil Barnard, of course, where we talked about some of the best foods for fighting and preventing cancer. That was on the latest episode. And before that, I spoke with a husband and wife dietetics duo. Phenomenal, phenomenal people. James and Dahlia Marin from Married to Health. I mean, you're talking about a couple of gut health gurus whose own journey back to health laid the foundation for them to now be paying forward what they have learned with their own patients. And Chef Bay, Chef Bailey Ruskus, classically trained chef who had horrific endometriosis, but then she begins to eat a plant-based diet and her health then does a complete 180. She gets her life back. She gets her health back. She tells her own clients. She was a private chef and she says, hey, I'm going plant-based. And a lot of them did. And so now she's cooking up a prescription for health for others with her very unique and incredible set of skills. Lots of great content on there. So please leave a five-star rating and give the show a follow on Apple or Spotify, wherever it is that you get your shows. And we definitely do appreciate your help to make the world a healthier place. But for today, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to the incredible Dr. Hanna Kaliova for being here, as well as to Anne Friday for sharing her remarkable story and her own journey back to health. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based. Plant-based.